Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kicks and Kicks podcast. It's Coach Steve and Nick with you tonight. Scotty away on vacation, but we have a special guest as we continue our State of the Club Summer Series. Today we'll be covering Manchester City, the Premier League and Champions League winners from last year, along with the FA Cup. And it's Andrew Detmer returning to the pod for the second time. He's of the City Report podcast. So Andrew, welcome back and how are you doing? I'm good and glad to be back. Loved the first time. Love you guys. Um, you picked up a listener after I came on, so I, I thoroughly enjoy the content. So appreciate, appreciate it, brother. Glad to hear it. So before we get into next this upcoming season, I can't even say next. It's a week away now. But let's Crazy. let's reflect back on last season for you guys. You guys had pretty much the the season of of your life as a city fan, right? And pretty much anybody's time as a city fan, even if they're a hundred years old. Um I, I guess I, I kind of know where your answer is going to go, but we ask all our guests, you know, what was your general assessment of how the club performed last season across the comp- all competitions? Like we said, they won the Premier League uh, by five points over Arsenal in the end. They, they came back from behind in that. They won the FA Cup, uh, the United in the final, and then they won the Champions League, beating Inter Milan in the final in a tight match. So tell us about how you felt about last season. So I... Lots of city fans were maybe not particularly uh, bullish on our chances towards the middle of the season. You know, there had been all sorts of issues with, you know, the lineup working, figuring out how to play. We were having just absurd losses. I mean, we somehow let Southampton, who were absolutely horrendous under Nathan Jones, beat us in the Carabao Cup. Um, You know, we ship out Cancelo, who had been probably one of the players of the season the year before. And then suddenly it kind of just like all clicked and then we were all conquering. And I placed a bet for us to win the treble the day after the Spurs loss when Pep just was like, like went all in. Cause I was like, you know what? The odds are pretty good right now. And if there's anybody who can somehow like motivate these guys to go out and do it, it's going to be Pep. So it paid out. That paid off pretty well. Love Um, it. But I, you know, I still can't comprehend that we won the treble. It like it's just not something that you think your club is going to do because it's it just is so difficult. It requires you know it's like oh yeah you just have to win, you know the Premier League the hardest league competition the Champions League which is the biggest crapshoot of luck in the knockout stages of any tournament and then the FA Cup. Yeah, lots of teams maybe don't take it seriously in the early rounds, but when you get to the end. They teams are taking it seriously, whether they're clubs like Brighton, who it's their a real shot at silverware. And honestly, I was glad we avoided them. And I think the biggest reason we won the treble was we drew Sheffield United for the semifinal. I think if we played either of the other clubs, it would have absolutely wrecked our season because mm-hmm. we just didn't have enough bodies, which is a highlight for the upcoming season potentially, um, or a you know forward view. But yeah, I mean, great, it's a great season. All of my friends who are city fans have all said, like, if we don't do that great this year, like, we get it. Like, these guys just did, like, basically completed. Some of them literally completed football. Like, Julian Alvarez won the treble and the World Cup in the same season after a season where he won the Copa Libertadores earlier. Like, that dude doesn't need to win anything else ever again. Um, So, but I think they're going to be hungry, and I'm excited for the future. Yeah, I think you you started to answer the question. I mean, listen, this this year sort of didn't feel real. Um, 
just from a footballing standpoint for anybody, right? It was so condensed. We had the World Cup in the middle of it. Like it was all one being blur to me. So I think when you said it still doesn't feel real, that makes sense. And, you know, I have a club that won nothing. Um, but, so I can only imagine the euphoria that's going on and on. I, I think the question that stems from that is, is it, you know, you kind of alluded towards it. Is, is this good enough? Is this the culmination of that project? Or do you expect success year after year after year? Like what, what's the mindset going forward? So as a fan, my response would be that I don't, I want success every year. And I think that's a sign of a successful club. Um, You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Sir Alex Ferguson as a city fan in the sense of like, I don't love the guy. And I have said many horrendous things about him over the years. However, um, the thing you can't criticize him for is the fact that he maintained his levels of success, you know, won three titles in a row twice, um, you know, turned over the team. And, you know, Pep has done that with City and we've seen sustained success. And Pep has talked about how the impressive thing is that City have not only just won titles every year, but even the seasons they don't win, they're coming in second. They're not, you know, Liverpool wins the title and then completely collapses or they challenge and then they, you know, drop off. And for me, like, I want us to still be competing on all fronts. But if we don't, like, as a fan particularly as someone who became a fan of the team before we were even close to winning anything, we could not win a trophy for the next several years. And I like, I'm not going to complain or be like, you know, pep out or the board out or whatever, because they have done that. But what I will say is from the standpoint of what they have built as a entity and kind of a, a structure. And to me, that's the thing that, you know, yeah, city have a lot of money and that's very useful, but the reason they've been successful is they spend that money well and they're very smart and forward thinking. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the deals they've made and where that puts them. They still, they're looking towards not just the present, but the future with that. And so if you're the board, the expectation still needs to be, this team needs to be winning a couple trophies and competing on all fronts again. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it too. You've been a fan since before all this success, right? It's easy to jump on that gravy train when your, your club is winning and, and, you know, all of a sudden you're a city fan or, you know, uh, PSG in, in France, you know, these new money clubs and and people jump on board. It's the people that have been there from before that I think really take this into perspective of, of knowing what it was like prior to that, you know, and not winning for so long. I mean, my, my first season as a fan, City did not score a goal at home after January 1st. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, you've earned that it. Makes, that makes Lazio and Romo look good, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it it was just nothing but like grinding out nil nil wins and praying to God that was going to be or nil nil wins. I mean, honestly, they felt like nil nil wins because of how bad it was. But yeah, it's yeah, it's you know one of those things of you talk to you know diehard Yankees fans or like diehard Red Sox fans who were there before the good years, and they're like, yeah, that was great, but like. You know, I, I understand we're not going to win every year. And then you talk to somebody who, like, becomes a fan of a team when all they've ever known is they're winning. And they're like, how are we not winning every World Series ever? And it's like, well, that's just that's not how sports work, my guy. Yeah, I mean, I, you could talk to a diehard Yankees fan right here. And I grew up in the, you know, I was coming of, of old enough age to understand things in the mid-90s when they started winning. And it was like, you know, the Yankees are in the World Series, or at least the ALCS most years. And now they haven't won anything since 2009, haven't been there. And it's like, you know, I I... I 
I'm a little more level-headed than most Yankee fans, I think Nick would tell you, but yeah. it's like you sit there and you're like, this is crazy. Like this is the <laughs> longest stretch of my lifetime where they've been this bad. And I know, you know, people of my dad's generation sat through eras like that, like you sat through a city where they did not win anything in the eighties, you know? So it's, yeah. it definitely, some fans, I think views get jaded by all the winning and it, it becomes like almost like uh, what's expected every year. And, and it, that's sports. It's not right. So city could, yeah. you know, have a f- season where they finish second in the premier league this year. And, finish you know drop out in the quarters of the champions league and the fa cup they crash out early because they're rotating and then all of a sudden everybody thinks it's a failure but yeah i think you do have to take that in perspective and where this club came from and, and the money that was invested to finally get this done and i i think the last i, I don't know if any of the the spanish giants did it but i think this is the last treble i can repulse since inter right i mean i don't know if any barca or madrid did it at some point I, did they do it i don't think so because I mean, Real wasn't winning the leagues when they were winning the um, Champions League. And then I don't think Barca did a treble with the last time they won it either. So yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I mean, even, even you know, when you do take it to like leagues beyond the Premier League, trebles are just an incredibly rare yeah. thing. So... Like um Barca did do it in uh, a couple times, 14, 15, and Bayern did it in 1920, it looks like. That's but Bayern did it, yeah. Yeah. But that's just, you know, Bayern's domination every year, right? right. The, the, the league. Like two of them are locked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, so well, in that season of glory, we'll, we'll call mm-hmm. it, who are the, your biggest standout or breakthrough players? Any And did anybody disappoint in that stretch where it's kind of hard to disappoint in such a great season? Yeah, so I'm going to ignore Erling Holland because I feel like it, it's one of the things of like, yeah, he was absurd. Um, he was somehow better than we all expected. Um, but to me, there are other players that I think deserve plaudits that maybe would get overlooked. Um, number one would be John Stones, who has had a very weird career with City of he comes in, City are, just aren't ready to play kind of with someone like him as a center back and then he come does get better and then he gets injured and has some personal issues and kind of is out of the team for a bit comes back in is great gets injured um doesn't like didn't play a lot um two seasons ago and then this season kind of comes in and not only establishes himself as maybe the one of the first names on the team sheet but in a role that is just so unique and very much like that is John Stones being so talented and Pep Guardiola being such a crazy person that he was like, wait, what if I just make one of my center backs a free eight, essentially? Um, and you really saw it in the Champions League um, final and semifinals. I mean, you had John Stones like basically playing right at the top of the opposition you know, box, which is not where you would typically expect a center back uh, to be frequently playing. So I think, you know, he's someone big to talk about from kind of going to a superstar level. Um, but the other player I would name check is the academy graduate who kind of paved the way for Stones to play that role, which is Rico Lewis, who comes in as an 18-year-old and just absolutely shows what City's academy is getting ready to start producing because Rico Lewis is a player who has been playing the Pep Guardiola way since he was like seven or eight years old now. And he just slotted right in as a, you know, 
kind of inverting right back, a defensive midfielder. Like he can play kind of almost anywhere. He's been playing uh, as an eight at times in the preseason tour this or just because he knows how to play that role with the ball this week. Um, so, you know, those two, I think, would be the ones who you would say really have stood out. Um, offensively, I think it's just hard for anyone else to stand out besides Holland because sure. the guy scored 52 yeah. goals. Uh, yeah. and, and then in terms of someone who disappointed, Calvin Phillips, and it hurt me personally because I was so excited for by that transfer because I loved him at Leeds. I loved what he and Declan Rice did as a double pivot for England. And I really thought, okay, here's going to be a guy who – can play with Rodri and also spell Rodri at times. And just, you know, he did come in and have to get, you know, sh- uh, shoulder surgery that he played through that injury for England. So, you know, kind of understandable, but really just never was able to get on the pitch to assert himself. And the times he did play, he just did not look up to snuff. Um, I have seen encouraging signs of him this preseason. So I'm hoping this season can turn it around, but like to see England's player of the year, I think is like for 2020, 2021, maybe I can't remember the season that he won it for the English, you know, Federation. Like he was their player of the year just to see the way that he hadn't performed for city was, it, it just, it sucked because one, we could have absolutely used them, but also just, uh, I personally want to see him do well. Um, and he recently did a documentary kind of about his last season. And if you watch it, like he's the nicest human and so it just makes you want to see him to succeed even more because you're like, this is just like a good dude. And I don't like to see someone who is a good human get the abuse that he does get online because he didn't. I mean, objectively, he was dreadful. Fair enough. Um, we have a long running joke on this podcast, or at least I do, where I always say that, hey, I never really can make out the difference between Grealish and Foden. They're like the same player to me, right? They they were <laughs> like, they came up in the national team the same time. Yeah. They came over to city at the same time. They play, they don't play. I don't really know what's what. Um, so I'm always a little harsh on them. I, I think it's unfair. What do you make of these two players? How did they fare this year? Were you surprised? Were they kind of lost in the shuffle? What's the outlook on those two guys going forward? Yeah. So it, it's funny you like compare them. Cause I think you, they basically had the season that the other player had um, prior this year and that Grealish was getting all this flack and like in and out of the team kind of, and like not doing what people were like, what, what did we buy him for? Like, this isn't right. He just hasn't been there. Um, Whereas Foden two seasons ago was like on fire and felt like he made that jump this season. Grealish played out of his mind. Now, I've always said that the thing that a lot of people don't get is that City didn't buy Grealish to like put up the goal and assist numbers he had at Villa. He is there to control the game. And particularly this season when he did have Holland to play off of, his numbers did increase because he likes to play with a real number nine. Um, Foden, through injury, inconsistency, and also not yet being ready to kind of know when to pull the throttle back because that dude plays at 110% every time um didn't play as much he did actually score city's second most amount of goals in the premier league at 11 goals to holland's what i think 39 um 38 39 so he still had a good season but just he was a little bit not in it i do think though this season he will make a big jump just because uh de bruyne is likely not going to be fully fit to start the season because of the injury he picked up 
um, well, had going in Champions League final and was trying to play through and then just fully yeah. um, tore the muscle. And then with Mara's departing, that just opens up kind of the two spots that you kind of see Foden fitting in at one of the two. And so I think both of them are poised that have really great seasons this year, but they definitely have kind of been flipping back and forth each season and like who's had the good season and who's had the like okay season. Cool. All right. And just to close out last year, I think you said you're not going to be Pep out. Um, you know, we would we would ask all of our guests, hey, are you happy with the manager? Guessing all is good with Pep. He's hopefully going to go forward for a long time here. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much longer he's going to want to stay. Um, I do think there's the interesting question of where does he like it will never be better than it is at City. The people that made his time at Barcelona so great are the people that run City right now. Um he doesn't have any drama with the board or like with the, the team. Like he can focus on just the football. You don't have the political battles that happen at Bayern and Barca at the board level. You know, Juve a decade ago, you maybe would say, oh, maybe they're interesting. But like with the state they're in, like, I don't think he's going there. I don't see another Italian club. And like he's not, I don't think he goes to a league where he's already been. And I think he would hate being a national team manager because he doesn't get to work with the players day to day. Um, and people just also don't realize how young he is. Like Eric Ten Hag, who is considered a quote unquote young manager, is a year older than Pep Guardiola. Yeah, he's so like, like uh, I feel like he stopped playing and like jumped into managing yeah. immediately. Oh yeah, no, he just he hit the ground running so young that, but like we, you just don't realize how actually young he is compared to most other managers. So I don't know where he really goes from here. And so part of me wonders: Does that mean he will sign another extension? I don't know, but like the fact that I have had Pep Guardiola as my manager for it'll be nine years by the time he leaves, potentially like that's wild. Um, to me, I compare it, you know, Johan Cruyff kind of came of age as a manager at Ajax, but then his legacy is building what we now kind of consider the Barcelona way and method of playing. To me, that's what Pep has kind of done with he came of age at Barca and obviously like did everything you would ever need to do to be a legendary coach at Barcelona, but then came to city and will leave with an absurd trophy hall and absurd legacy of how he's changed the way that they play in England. Um, so for me, like that's enough. Like if he, he could leave tomorrow and like, I will always love the man. Um, but yeah, it, he can sign a contract for as long as he wants for however much money he wants. And that's cool with me. Like, I'm just, I'm just always going to be happy to see him on the sideline. He also just, he's one of those managers that gets the fans and like, is like, he'll say the right things in the press and like big up the fans for the things that we want to hear the manager talk about. And that's just always fun. Yeah. And I think you made a great point about the national team part, his style of play. He's not, he's not a national team manager, especially at this point in his career. I can't see him going. He's not going to go to Real Madrid, right, or anything like that. So where, where's the market for him? It's probably staying in City at this point, unless at some point PSG came calling, maybe or yeah, something. Bayern, because somebody big like that, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, like you, Juve, like you said, they're down. He's not going to Juve now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I could see him certainly extending after. I think he's got two years left in in his contract. Mm-hmm. He's already won five titles in what seven seasons? Because I think you said it'd be nine by the end of the contract. It's time crazy. flies. And, yeah. and yeah. I, I can't believe he's been there seven mm-hmm. seasons already. It's it's, it's really yeah he, or yeah. The, i think he's been there since like uh yeah are we it's, it's year seven or year eight i can't remember but it's just like absolutely wow. nuts yeah that is crazy 
So let's move on to the head into the season, starting with the transfer market. Um, right now, so far, Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea came in. Um, I'm going to probably butcher his name, but Josko Gavardial, you, you could Gavardial. correct me. Yeah, he's going to be officially, you told me, off the air probably in the next day or two. The, the agreement was made today. Um, and then Declan Rice was the the big name they were linked with earlier in the summer. Lost out on him to Arsenal for a, a big, big fee. Um, with the Kovacic and Gavardial signings and Misagana Rice, what do you think any areas of need still in the squad? And what do you think of those players that they're bringing in? So I think it's always hard to say what kind of what needs do City have, or maybe I should say what needs does Pep have in a squad? Because we haven't had a left back really in any of the seasons since his quote unquote, like maybe his first season, but it was like an aging set of left backs who really couldn't play. And then we bought left backs and then, you know, Mendy is Mendy um, for a whole host of reasons. Um, But so like we've really basically never had a left back for all these successful seasons. Um, We've won a Premier League title without a striker. So it's hard to say, what do we need? If I, if it were me, I think either a another winger or another midfielder, and just basically wherever the value would be, where you can get a player who can contribute at that one of those positions, and then you just let Bernardo Silva play more at the other one. So you know, if you can get a good winger candidate, um, City been linked to Michael Lise at Palace. Um, you know, if he comes in, then you just play Bernardo more in midfield. Um, there's a bunch of rumors that there's a secret bidder for Caicedo at Brighton and people think it could be City. Um, I don't see that, but if it is us and we were to get him, then yeah, you just play Bernardo kind of more at right wing. So there's, I think just one more body in one of those positions is what I would do if I were sitting in, you know, the board room at City and kind of bouncing around. But it's a matter of like, where's the value in this summer? The market has just been insane. Um, even setting aside how much money Saudi teams are throwing around to buy kind of past their peak players. Um, but like, I mean, Declan Rice going for the money he does now, I was all in on getting Declan Rice. I love the guy. So it hurt me from like a personal perspective, but I, I get why city didn't go beyond their valuation. And also all of the reporting was that the biggest reason Declan wanted to go to Arsenal was that he loves where he's at with his family and he's, you know, from, London and wanted to be close by. I, I'm never going to begrudge a player who has like personal reasons to want to, you know, stay in a location because, yeah, they are athletes and that is important, but they have the rest of their kind of personal lives to consider and worry about. And so, like, I get it. Um, but don't love that he went to, uh, you know, the, the team that we beat to the title because it does make them stronger. But um, I, I think that squad wise with Kovacic coming in and kind of filling that Gundogan role of where he can play a little deeper or play further forward. And he's just, I mean, he's a very technically gifted player, um, not in the same way Gundogan is, but I think can do some of, play that role just slightly differently. Uh, but Gavardio being announced to me, like that was the, once he's formally announced, but it, you know, the news coming out that it's been, really, that's the one that I was most excited for because I 21 years of age, he is already absurdly talented and very tactically smart and just needs to be refined a little bit. And there's nobody better to do that than Pep Guardiola. Um, interestingly, their names come from the same root word, which is why they're so close. Um, they mean the same things in 
you know, their respective languages. But he, I think, within a year or two, is going to be the best center back in the world. Um, like he's that good, and he's only twenty one. And so, you know, that's a it's a great pickup for City to lock someone down like that, and that's why they're doing it. If they see how talented he is, it's worth it to splash the money they're splashing on him. But if they don't sign anybody else this transfer window, I won't be surprised. Um, it'll just depend on how many of these rumored outgoings I think end up happening. Yeah, I think that's a good segue, right? So a um, couple guys that are rumored to leave um, uh, are right now what? Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, Kyle Walker, all in the rumor mill. Uh, you mentioned Mares is out. Gunduan's out. Mendy is out. Um, I'm looking at the squad top to bottom. Uh, I didn't realize because of the massive amount of goals scored. Uh, there's only two forwards really on, on this squad. Is that an area of concern? Um, you know, you mentioned some guys are going to now have to step up in the midfield. Um, you know, spots will be there for the taking, but uh, it's just, a, it's, it's really an interesting window when you look at it and granted, you know, some of the guys we mentioned rumored leaving haven't left yet, but uh, yeah. it's, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's like, so Bernardo, like to me at this point, we can't lose Bernardo. I, like, I don't think you could lose Gundogan, Bernardo, and Mares in the same right. window. Also, unless PSG sells Kylian Mbappe, I don't see anyone who has the funds necessary to buy Bernardo because City are valued at like close to 100 million. Um, just nobody's, and rightfully so, because he's world class as a right winger and as a central midfielder. So, you know, I, I get why they don't want to sell him, but it's going to be, I just don't think he ends up leaving now. Um, you know, Cancelo has all the talent in the world, but is an absolute uh, problem player when it comes to locker room behavior. Um, if he isn't playing, he's just a cancer. So if we end up selling into Barca, fine by me. I I have a Cancelo kit, but I'm not going to be sad to see him go because if you're fighting with Pep Guardiola because you don't think you're playing enough, like, I'm sorry, but he's Pep Guardiola. Like, you you just do what he says. Um, it's like Nick Saban. Like, no, college football players do not get to question what Nick Saban decides to do with Alabama football. Um, but Kyle Walker, I think, could still move. But um, I know City want to keep him, and I, I get why. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, Mara's leaving. I love the guy. But getting $30 million for a 32-year-old who – was unhappy with the amount of time. Like that was a solid move. Gundawan, I mean, if he'd scored the goal that won us the Champions League final, I think there's a strong argument that City have to build him a statue, considering that like he won the league for them the previous year uh with the two goals against Aston Villa to turn it around and then basically won them the Premier League and then had that absurd FA Cup final goal this year. Like if he had also won them the Champions League and is the trouble winning captain that wins them all three titles essentially. Like I think you got to build him a statue, but either way, he's a legend. Sad to see him go, but you know, I totally get wanting to uh spend the last couple of years of your career playing for another story club like Barcelona. Um and you know move to Spain where lifestyle is definitely a little better than Manchester. And then uh Benjamin Mendy, I will neither miss him on the pitch, uh in the locker room or the things he decides to do with his free time is how I will uh Describe that one. All right. So, how are things behind the scenes of the club? Ownership, manager, director of football, that stuff. I, I'm assuming is good, considering the route that the club's been going the past few years. Yeah, there's there's nothing big on the um, ownership or operations front. The only kind of 
thing that's it's been announced. Uh, they got approval and they're uh, already working the process of expanding the stadium. So they're going to expand to, I think it's 60,000 seats, which will uh, enable them to put into host um, like the top tier finals for all the European competitions. Um, and they're adding a bunch of other things. Like as part of that, they're right now finishing up building a uh, music venue right outside of the stadium that'll be Britain's like largest um, music specific venue. It's actually like Harry Styles is going to be a part owner of the facility. Like they they have a bunch of music guys into it. Manchester's is the music scene, but then there's going to be some like um, nonprofit offices there. They're building kind of a new city museum, um, some other stuff as part of the expansion as well. So I think like that's the club is clearly looking forward and still expanding and you know growing and recognizing. I think rightfully. Um, Signing guys like Holland and Grealish have really improved their global appeal, winning the trophies they have. Like you're seeing, like I see kids today wearing city kits, which is not something that I saw when I became a fan of the team as a you know young kid myself. So they're they're recognizing that in the coming years there is going to be an increased demand from overseas fans and from you know even local fans. And so the club has to grow off the pitch as well as on it. Um, and they're kind of doing that, which is, you know, good for us. Sweet. All right. So let's take a look ahead to the upcoming season that has coach pointed out starts next week. That's another thing that's I wild mean, for to us. Me. It starts Sunday. We've got the, the charity shield. Oh, you got that. That's already, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to yeah, win it? Just... Question one. Will you win? <laughs> yes. Because Grealish has come out with quotes saying how desperate he is to win it because he's lost the last two finals and he's never won that trophy. So, <laughs> all right. So, realistic goals. We've we've touched on a little bit, but what are the realistic goals you have for the upcoming season? Is it trophies? Are you content with Champions League position? Talk to us. Uh, so I I will be content as long as like if we aren't in the Champions League that would be a disaster regardless of the previous seasons for a whole host like disaster for fans but also for the club to not have Champions League money coming in to not be there with the talent they have for me top two like first or second place um, and then one trophy of any kind in there and I would be a pretty happy fan. What do you think the club would say if we like some they're never going to usually publicly state it, you know, they usually they publicly keep it a little more de- low key. But what do you think inside like the boardroom and Pep's office they're they're thinking in terms of realistic uh, goals? I think they probably are targeting at least winning the Premier League again, um, just because they would be the only four time in a row winners ever. And so I think that's something the club would love, particularly because then that would eclipse United's, you know, two times winning it three in a row. Um, but I, I mean, I have to imagine with Pep and the board, it's we're going to compete on all four fronts again. Um, so I just, I think there's a strong case to be made that that the squad with the size that it is, there's going to be a drop off because of how much energy they would have spent last season and just also like. They just won base labor trophy that we wanted to win. Like it's naturally to let your levels slip a little bit when you've, you know, completed your life goal. Good for you for being able to admit that (laughs) we appreciate it. (laughs) I mean, it's, but it's just, it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm a big sports data guy. Like I'm a big, like, like I try to approach things logically. Like I, 
if my team doesn't do well, like I'm frustrated during the game, but then I try to not let it affect me like outside of it because like I have off days in my jobs for, you know, all sorts of reasons. So like, I can't be like, no, you must all be robots and be perfect at this sport forever. Yeah, I, I think people lose sight of that, especially with athletes. Like th- these guys are human, right? They they do need to recover their energy. Guys get injured and and are playing through pain, and we don't know about yeah. and and the ones certainly... who aren't like normal people, like yeah, like they're great, like Michael Jordan, all timer, but also like an absolute psychopath that I would want nothing to do with. For the fact of like that dude is just like no, I'm never off when it comes to basketball. I'm like dude, yeah. just like calm down. <laughs> all, all right, right so. Let's... Yeah, go ahead. We like to end this on a a fun note. We do a little buy or sell. Um, So first one I'll throw out to you, then Nick will give you the next one. 30-plus legals for Erling Holland this season. Buy. All right. Hammer. Okay. I think he he eclipses 40 this season in the league alone. Okay. We're going to – we're going to – we're bookmarking that. I like it. I like the. And just, uh, and just to put it, Nick, with the books from the gambling perspective, Erlen Holland to win the Golden Boot in the Premier League is minus one thirty-five. Next closest rivals, Harry Kane, who might not be there next yep. season, and Mo Salah plus seven fifty. So run away and probably going to push that thirty goal mark. Yeah. All right. So how about for the team? Ninety plus points in the Premier League. Buy or sell? Sell. Okay. City already were trending down this season. Um, I just can't imagine. I think overall, because of how weird this season was, I do think a lot of players are, we're going to be back up to kind of, I think maybe better fitness levels this season, but still, I think we're going to see a lot of squads that are just like, I don't think anyone gets to 90 this season. Yeah. And just for reference, they finished with 89 last season to win it. Uh, Arsenal at 84. Um, We know your personal goals, but would you buy or sell two plus trophies? I think told I, me, you I, told me you're winning one this week. I, I, I mean, look, I count the Charity Shield as a trophy. I don't yeah, know if everyone else does. Absolutely. Okay, so if we're counting the Charity Shield, then yeah, because I think we'll, like I think City will want to win, um, and Pep will want to win the Charity Shield and the uh, UEFA Super Cup, and so that locks up two kind of early in the season, and then I think they pick up one of the remaining four, and they're elsewhere. So yeah, I would I would say easily, if we're counting those two, yeah, they're two plus five. All right. Are you buying or selling Arsenal as the biggest threat to the title repeat? Absolutely buying. Um, they have only bought players I like this summer, and that is deeply concerning because I'm someone who doesn't like I am typically have weird opinions on players. Like I've I love Timo Werner, still do, but people like because I people don't get what he is, and then Chelsea misused him, which is the exact same thing they did with Kai Havertz. And so I'm like, well, Mikel Arteta and I view the game slightly similarly, and I think he's going to use him correctly. And that's terrifying to me because that's a lot of talent. Same thing with Declan Rice being added to that squad. Um, I think they're absolutely the biggest threat. I still think United are a couple players short of being able to play the right way under Ten Hag. Liverpool, I think. I've liked a lot of their moves, but they've lost so much experience in midfield with Henderson and Fabinho leaving. And I haven't seen them replace it with like, yes, these players are going to be at that level or better yet. Um, And so I don't, I just don't, I think they're going to be better this season. I don't think they're going to be the next biggest threat. And then I have no idea what Chelsea is like zero clue. 
Yeah, uh, it's. I, I think. Uh, go ahead, coach. I was just gonna say, just to give reference to uh, the Arsenal being the biggest threat, that the books tend to agree. City's minus one forty to win the EPL. Arsenal plus five hundred. Liverpool plus eight hundred. United plus eleven hundred. Chelsea plus twelve hundred. Then Newcastle and Tottenham uh, follow that way, plus fourteen and plus four thousand. Yeah. Well, so to, I was. Uh, I was going to ask. Edge on Arsenal at that point. Like, that was that was a question I was going to go towards. So being the data guy, you know, if you we're going to take City out of it, right? So I don't whether they're likely to win the league or not is irrelevant. Nobody should lay minus 140 on a future bet. That's just a, a thing that we say here. Um, so if you're going to take a shot with the remaining teams uh, at the values that coach just listed, who are you taking that shot with? I'm I'm taking it with Arsenal. I mean, you like United, the 500. Yeah, United, you know, at 1100, like that's actually like, I think those are probably too long of odds for them. Like, I think they're closer than that. So I think there's maybe a value play yep. in there compared mm-hmm. to the, like Arsenal, I think are your better bet, but like plus 500 isn't the biggest return. Um, but I still think like Arsenal are closer. Um, yep. And I just, there's also Arsenal are put together off the pitch as well. And that is the thing that United, despite getting better, their ownership situation and all the drama around them, that's still hanging over them. And so, and that, that stuff does affect team performance because if there's uncertainty, like that bleeds into the locker room. I I think you're so spot on. I'm I'm with that exact line of thinking. I I do like Liverpool at plus 800 because I feel like they're going to score a ton of goals this year. They're just going to give up probably equally as many. So uh, their games are going to be basketball games, which to be fair, fun for people to bet on. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm waiting for the books to, uh, you know, we'll get two and a half for maybe the first like month of the season. And then all of a sudden there'll be three and a half for those overs. But they'll be like, yeah, we've, we've learned our lesson, but uh, no, I I agree with you completely. I think Arsenal plus 500 that, I mean, that's pretty good value for a team that's almost there. Uh, you know, I think like for comparison in Italy, um, the difference between like first and second is maybe like 50 points, right? I think like the favorites plus 250, the second favorites plus 300. So to get, um, you know, $650 worth of juice, that's a pretty good bet for the second place team. But I will say in Syria's favor, like that's actually like I have, I watched more of Syria last season and I plan to watch, you know, more this season than I do any other league just because, it's the most wide open and competitive. And Definitely. Like there's multiple teams at similar levels and also teams that are interesting to watch. Um, you can't pay me to watch La Liga. It is just God awful. Boring. Um, yeah. It was like the style of play. It's like, there's nothing that I enjoy about it. Um, but, you know, Serie A, like one, I have lots of memories of someone who, you know, was a nineties kid of like, Syria in the 90s um, and some you know some glorious players back then but then like I just there's great kits in Italy and like the you know fan culture minus a couple of teams um, which won't go into like I love the fan culture as well and you know so it it's definitely a fun to watch and you know I think like you said harder to bet on too because the teams are so close Um, yeah the consistency from week to week the last two years especially has just been like almost impossible to cap. Like I'm, I'm proud to say that we ended the year like up units, up money because yeah. you know, 50, 60% of our bets were on that league. And it was just like, yeah. The, the flip side is as a city fan, like it, it's actually kind of hard to bet on city games because like, it's not just 
the you know odds to win the Premier League future. It's like, oh yeah, every game is like minus five. Oh, dude, you have to get so creative uh, to to get any sort of value out of them, especially when yeah. they were rolling towards the middle and end of last year. Yeah. It was like you got to take them to win both halves. You got to take them to score a goal in both halves, plus get three corners. Sheet, like, so you got, well, you got, yeah. you know, team totals of two and a half yeah, or my, more. Like just my usual go-to was like, I would pick like city city to win plus like one of the forwards, not named Holland to score and an assist by like KDB or something. Yep. And that would like, you could put five bucks down and that would pay out like 80, 90 um, or whatever. The, my best bet was the Liverpool or not Liverpool Leicester Everton game though, which like some absurd parlay that hit and like off a five dollar bet returned. I think it was like three hundred eighty bucks, and I was like, let's oh, love it. Those are always but, the best ones. Hell yeah, yeah. I was like, well, because I was like, this game's going to be absurd, so I just put together some absurd like multiple players on both sides to score, and it was like that's what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, it's. For, for city fans, like betting is weird because it's just like you, it's almost more fun to bet against city because there's no money in betting on city. Yeah. And then just uh, a fun thing that the, the books offer with the Premier League, I know, said, yeah, they don't usually offer it is winner without Manchester City. And you can pick basically who you think is going to finish second place and, and get plus money odds. Uh, Arsenal's plus 175, Liverpool plus 250. United plus 350, Chelsea 550, and Newcastle 700. So it, it gives you a, a a plus money play that you could be like, well, City could still run away the league and, you know, this team finishes second, I still cash a little money. Um, especially if you like one of the value plays, like someone with a little longer odds that you think might be. Yeah, good. man. It, it just... So we put a we put a group bet on uh, Newcastle to finish um, third, basically to finish third. It was, but it was uh, it, without. Like, yeah. It was without City or Arsenal last Liverpool. year. No, excuse me, without City or Liverpool yeah. last year, mm-hmm. and Arsenal just comes out of nowhere and just derailed it. We were in it till like the last yeah, month, and they oh, just fell apart. Cool. But it was like plus two thousand or something like that. It was an awesome bet, and we had a lot my, of fun. My with biggest it. regret is last season. My my preseason predictions were Newcastle to finish top four. Like I said, Newcastle is going to finish top four, and I didn't put money on it. Oof. And I'm just I'm so mad at myself for not like backing because I was like they bought players I like like I like Eddie Howe I think a lot of other teams are going to struggle like I and the odds were great would have been great like yep. I'm just like I'm kicking myself for not um, doing that but yeah it's I I think this season will be interesting um, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive for the top four slots because I think the teams that struggled last year have things figured out and then I think. Like, I don't think Brighton's going to drop off that much. Um, Villa are going to be great. And so I think there's, like, it's going to be tied at the top, which will be fun for kind of all fans, but maybe terrifying for uh, anyone who wants to put money on final finishes and games. Because I, I think there's just going to be a lot of results this season that are, you know, I don't know that there's going to be offsets, but I think there's going to be a lot of, like, draws that people are like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting you know, City to drop points away at Villa, or I wasn't expecting, you know, Brighton to pick up points against United at home or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Should be a fun season. Um, Definitely. So, Andrew, this was great. You you definitely gave us great information on City. Tell uh, our listeners where they can find you if they want to listen to City more frequently, keep up with the team and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so uh, you can follow me personally at Andrew Detmer um, on Twitter. And then um, on all socials, the podcast is at City Report Pod. Um, and then we're on every you know, streaming platform, uh, including YouTube with the podcast. Uh, it's a daily show now of around 25 to 35 minutes, typically, um, usually covering, you know, the, the previous day's news and, or, you know, the news that's come out early in that day. Um, and then, you know, previewing games, viewing games. Um, we often will end up covering, you know, more EPL or football news generally if it does impact City or effects. Um, you know, we're going to have our Premier League season previews coming out this week uh, or this upcoming week. So should be good. And yeah, we've got the uh, the Charity Shield on Sunday, which just does not feel real because I swear I just uh, sobered up from celebrating the uh, Champions League victory. So yeah, so thanks again for coming on. Second time, we'll have to have you back for maybe City Arsenal or something or City United coming up later this season because we love having you. Um, and we thank all the listeners for listening. And besides, if you listen to this for the City content, we have other great guests. We had Newcastle covered already, Liverpool, Man U. Uh, we're going to report Chelsea soon and, and hopefully Arsenal next week. So we'll cover all those, I guess, uh, really the, the top six contenders before the season starts. And it's going to be a lot of fun this season. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you guys in our next episode. 